0: All right. Welcome to the Celtics Lab podcast brought to you by betonline.ag. It's Friday night. We are 24-ish hours removed from a big Game 1 victory from the Boston Celtics in the NBA Finals. That feels good to say. I'm Cameron Temptive, your host. I'm with Dr. Justin Quinn, Alex of Divine Sweater. They have a gig this weekend, so Alex is off. But we welcome in friend of the podcast, the managing editor of the Warriors Wire, Mr. Tommy Call. Tommy, how are things in the Bay?
1: I mean, I'm still kind of processing what happened last night. It's it's still even like you said, 24 hours away. It still it feels like a bit of a shock of what happened last night because it was it's pretty crazy. And I'm excited to dive into it with you guys.
0: Yeah, I mean, certainly we wear green on our sleeves sometimes more than more times than others. But um, it was a great basketball game. I mean, for a playoffs that people have have said is kind of kind of whack, um, this game was not whack. This game had it all. So well, yeah, we'll get into game one. We will talk about game two and we will talk about all things, NBA, Adam Silver, Draymond's podcasts and on and on and on. Um, But first I wanna talk to you about our new friends over at Ticket IQ. They are offering $50 off all finals tickets. If you head to Ticket IQ right now, Ticket IQ has no fees, meaning you'll save hundreds of dollars that you'd be paying elsewhere using sites like StubHub. If you use the promo code CelticsLab with a capital C, all one word, you get $50 off your Celtics tickets, $50. Importantly, this promo code can be used for other sporting events as well. So whether you want to catch a finals game, go see the Sox or the Giants, this is your chance. Head to Ticket IQ today. All right, Tommy, let's talk about game one. Um, Didn't quite go so great for the Warriors, although there's a lot of takeaways that I'm sure are -hmm. positive. Um, Obviously, it started with just a historic Steph night, like a really fun Steph night. Then the game kind of came a a little bit of a rock fight and then of course the celtics just exploded in the fourth quarter um so i'm going to do what we've been doing recently which is tommy i'm going to give you any member of the celtics that you want to talk about it could be horford dark white brown or tatum or smart um and you could just tell us what you think about uh, what you saw from them so um yeah tommy a celtics player of your choice go i uh,
1: i would be remiss to say Derek Derek white because i think he was kind of a little bit of a warriors killer last night he was the guy that mm-hmm. if you watch their defense and you watch the flow of that game they were happy with him shooting those shots and he was just drilling them and a lot of those threes that came late were pretty open for guys like al warford i mean even Jalen brown got off a few open ones but Derek white was like defended pretty decent on a lot like he was pulling up over guys and letting it fly and they were they were drilling steph curry s Style three pointers. And I mean, you guys watch the Celtics a lot more than I do. Um, that was a bit of a surprise. I know he's been shooting the ball pretty well over, during the playoffs, but to see him kind of having that type of trigger was definitely something that I kind of noted, like, all right, going into game two, guard this guy.
0: Or guard him a little closer, anyways. Um yeah. should we should we do the Draymond thing now or do you want to see?
1: <laughs> yeah, we can get into the Draymond thing. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously. Covering the Warriors and um, living in the Bay Area, having guys like Draymond Green and Andre Iguodala having their own podcasts, getting their instant reaction from their mouths, not, you know, app pressures and things. It's been really fun this season. There's been some obviously some big takes along the way, but uh, just listen to Draymond's pod uh, earlier today, uh, him talking about the game. And one of the things he mentioned a lot was, you know, the three pointers. And, and he is obviously the defensive captain. And. People were asking him last night at the presser, you know, like, um, why were some of those three so open? And it seemed like the way he talked about it, he was very satisfied to an extent with the guys that were shooting the three-pointers, right? Like, uh, he, you know, to let Al Horford and Derek White and those guys beat the Warriors, that was kind of like their first option. Like, if they were going to let a guy beat them, it was that group from the Celtics, not take away Jason Tatum, take away Jalen Brown, things like that, which kind of happened um I'm interested in talking about uh Tatum's night with you guys but um yeah it was interesting to kind of hear his evaluation specifically of the game specifically of the Celtics shooters because that that's the story for me is the Warriors just gave up a ton of three-pointers and the Celtics looked like the Warriors a little bit in that fourth quarter with the small ball guys hitting timely shots it
0: was uh Tommy we we lost you for a a second well, Tommy regains connection. I'll just add, uh, he's coming back. Yeah, <laughs> Tommy, you are exactly right that it was by design that the Celtics were as open as they were. Um, it was a historic night for the Seas. They went 21 of 41 from three. They hit nine threes in the fourth quarter alone. So Draymond caught a lot of flack for what he said and how he said it. But I think he's, he's technically right that this was by design, and if the Celtics are going to shoot nine of 12 from three, you got to live with that because that's, that's the exception, not the rule. Um, and on the other side of the ball, I think we saw something similar with Steph early on, Justin, you noted this was that Steph was pulling up way further than the Celtics are used to guarding. So oh, yeah, the way that they drop on defense and, and allow the guys to fight through screens usually works because people don't pull up as far back as Steph does. So both teams played their defense the way they'd like to play it. And, Uh, Steph in the first and then the Celtics down the stretch just made them pay. But I think it really, I would be, be surprised if it could happen again. It was just, it was so fantastic. Um, Tommy, are you still with us? Yeah, I'm here. Cool. Fantastic. All right. Um, Justin, no, no worries. Justin, I'm going to go to you pick a Celtics player that um, you want to talk about.
2: I want to talk about Jalen Brown just because, That whole response would not have happened without him. Uh, And even though there were some moments where he was chasing after a ball getting poked out of his handle in this game, it was nothing like what we saw in the prior two series, which as a sidebar we can discuss or not uh, was so much more enjoyable. I think that is uh, just a unanimous uh, consensus all around that, referees and flopping were not the topic of conversation after the game at all. Like, I mean, I hardly even thought about it, but with that, uh, Jalen Brown is uniquely positioned in this series, uh, to really be able to eat a lot better than he has, uh, probably since the Brooklyn series. And I'm really curious to see how they adapt, uh, the, the Warriors adapt to him, uh, Particularly if he gets going with this mid-ranger that he was breaking out a little bit, like most of his points that really cut our attention were three-pointers, but like the mid-ranger that he was using, the little thing where he like hops up um mm. after like crouching down, that is something I think that could be super effective, particularly if they do try to like junk the game up a little bit more, which I... I don't think they're gonna do in the next game. We can, we can talk about that more, but I think for now, based on what we were talking about, um, what Tommy was talking about, this was more or less how they wanted to defend Boston Stars. And even still, uh, Jalen finding a way to, to will the Celtics back into the game and opening the door uh, for Al Horford and Derek White in particular, I think really made this this, shall we say, fairly unlikely outcome possible in the first place. I do agree, I don't think it's gonna happen, but I also don't think that we're gonna see, you know, Jason Tatum, for example, shoot what was it, like three of 17 or something absurd like that. I really think that this was much more of like, let's see how this team plays. And we really kind of saw that in real time as the whole team was just utterly unready for Steph Curry in the first quarter. And we had that, that wonderful mic'd up coverage from Marcus smart yelling at them to change how they were defending him.
0: So uh, I'm going to take a turn and you kind of set, set up what I, how I was going to frame my little turn, which is hopefully I have a decade plus of talking about Jason Tatum's performance in the playoffs. Um, So I got to talk about Al Horford, the birthday boy, because first of all, 26 points, the six threes. I mean, all of it was huge. Um, but the defense was really important. Um, <laughs> excuse me, that connective tissue that kind of lets the Celtics do that, that drop defense, that switch heavy defense. Um, it only works because Al Horford, I, I don't know if you talked to Tom Brady, or I don't know if you talked to Chris Paul, but like, however you turn back the clock, it's miraculous. He and Rob Williams, even on one knee, the amount of floor that they covered, the amount of closeouts uh, that they were able to execute. I mean, yes, Steph went nuts, but by and large, the way they played defense was radically important. Um, so huge, huge, huge shout-out to Al Horford. Um, but on the topic, interesting, uh, just because I have the box score in front of me, um, Jalen Brown led the Celtics with rebounds. He had seven. Um, three other Celtics had six rebounds, Horford, Robert Williams, and, wait for it, Peyton Pritchard. So um, the two teams ended up with 39 rebounds apiece. Um, so it, it felt... Like, there was disparity, and yes, Golden State was much better in the offensive class, but um, Horford and Pritchard and and, and all sizes in between seemed to contribute, which was nice. All right, let's do the the other side of the ball. Tommy, pick a Warriors player of your choosing. Talk about Steph, Dre, Clay, or really anyone else, um, Uh, wherever you want to go I guess, I mean,
1: yeah, it would be a softball to talk about Steph, but I do want to talk about Draymond. I kind of, in going back and forth with Justin before the series, just on our our separate – websites where i i picked draymond green as an x factor in this series i felt like the celtics would kind of dare draymond to be a scorer um a lot of teams tend to do that but he he he's kind of like the defensive, like uh, i would say like the cracker like the nutcracker where he will take the defenses and kind of break them down and there's a reason steph
0: curry gets off those open jumpers i just i can't believe you called draymond a nutcracker oh and you didn't, i know I, you I didn't I, even I, miss a beat <laughs>
1: <laughs> um he just like how he just, how he just kind of gets into defenses and can free up other guys. right? He's he's such a floor general for being a forward. And that kind of gets Steve Kerr's offense going specifically. He counts on him. That's why that motion offense has been so devastating for the last six years or whatever it's been. And last night was it definitely a little bit of a different look because he took the bait. I mean, 12, 12 shots for him. I meant to look it up before this, but I, like seeing Draymond's box score numbers as two for 12, it's. I'm like, when is the last time he's taking 12 shots in a game? It's it's we get on Draymond too much for, for not shooting the open shot. He was taking everything, whether it was drives, three pointers. Some of the threes were obviously like late in the shot clock where he kind of had to take it, but he took the bait and he's such a, one of the smartest players I've ever watched um, in basketball. And it just, so for him to kind of succumb to the Celtics defense, like he did last night, I'm obviously expecting bigger things from him because the defense is always going to be great last night it wasn't great, which was another surprise. Um, so just as like Jason Tatum, maybe he's not going to put up those types of, type of you know, low shooting numbers in the future. I would hope Draymond would play a little bit of a different, different game going into this series. I think he, the Warriors need him to kind of be the guy to uh, get into that Celtics defense. And last night was just a little bit of a, a, a different look from him. I was surprised to see him just shooting as much, I guess.
0: Justin, Warriors player, go.
2: For me, I am going to take the softball pitch, but for probably a different reason than you might expect. And it's going to be relating how Steph played in this game uh, to how the Celtics have been playing their opponents in kind of a hybrid but familiar form in each, each round of this playoffs. And what I, what I what I'm saying by that is specifically related to the defense. They covered him very poorly in all of the game ones of the series they've they've had so far. Um, they've they've really well, obviously not the first round, but since Brooklyn. They've had trouble adjusting to a new opponent and they've taken some time to kind of like feel out the new coverages and see like how to how to react to them. And we saw that very vividly, obviously, in the first quarter. However, what we didn't see this time was such long periods being necessary to adjust to how the other team is playing. So mm-hmm. in that, we are starting to see something that is like a a garbage disposal of a defense and that it just keeps grinding and grinding and grinding and grinding. And if you leave it in there long enough, there's just a shell of whatever you put in there to start with. And that is how they wore down KD. That is how they wore down Giannis. That is how they wore down Jimmy Butler. And that is at least in this game, how they wore down Steph Curry. In my opinion, they let him go off. Not intentionally. That was not part of the plan. Don't get me wrong on that, but, Little by little, they got better and better at covering him, tiring him out, making him move more. And in my mind, and I could be wrong about this, we're going to see obviously in game two, I think that what they are going to have to do to adjust uh, what I expect from Draymond in particular, but also from Steph uh, with other players, is adjusting to the Derek Whites and Al Horfords, particularly because they have been shooting better in these playoffs, like enough where you you really do need to take them more seriously than they have. Like maybe maybe they don't you know, send doubles or anything like they're treating like Jalen and Jason. Apologize for those wonderful sound effects. <laughs> my neighbor is very safe. Uh, lost my train of thought. Okay, so... <laughs> what, what, what is what is going on here, I think, what we're going to see in game two is they're going to need to cover more space. They're going to need to move around the floor more. And it's going to make them even more tired to prevent those kind of offensive outbursts, those open looks from three for these, these not you know lethal sharpshooters, but good enough three-point shooters where they do need to do a better job covering them. And I suspect that we're going to see a Golden State win in Game Two, just because it's their own home floor. They have they have a you know an extra big chip on their shoulder now, but I think it's going to come at a very high cost in terms of energy, and I think it's going to continue to compound on a re- relatively older team that's going to force them into playing younger players who aren't so good.
1: Just kind of speaking to this, um, you know the, the 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 you know term energy and how Steph was used in that game. And wearing Steph down specifically, I think one of the big talking points here in the Bay Area, at least, and I think it's blended probably to your guys' coverage, but like how stuff was used specifically in the fourth quarter, Steve Kerr's very, very kind of regimented in how he'd bring Steph off the bench. Last night, he brought him off a little bit early to kind of weather that Celtics run, but it felt too late. It felt like you probably, you could see Boston heating up and you could see the Warriors getting ice, ice cold. They needed Steph back in that game. Do you guys think they should have, like, I'm interested in your guys' perspective. Do you guys think they should have pulled the trigger on getting Steph out there a little bit earlier, playing the full fourth quarter when he's I mean, hot? personally,
2: no. But I mean, yeah, for you guys. Both. So yeah. Yeah.
0: My, my question there, so he played uh, 38 minutes, which is not a huge number, but there was that moment later in the fourth where he kind of just non-contact pulled up with a pain in his ankle that,
2: that weird little thing like he dragged his toe yeah. and like kind of turned his ankle so I'm,
0: I'm wondering either he's a little more banged up uh than we know or mm. he, just that much playing time just like wasn't doable for him he
1: has those uh, like, had, he,
2: braces he had the foot
1: injury yeah, yeah. he had the foot injury what that happened against boston yeah. where he missed the final <clears> 12 <throat> games um there hasn't been much like in terms of like he's he's missing practice missing any time it's just you know I don't know, just just your star player. Um, sometimes I feel like Steve Kerr gets a lot of criticism for for years. It seems like this this conversation has happened on tons of podcasts talking about the Warriors, whether it's in the finals or whatever the situation on a loss in the regular season. This is discussed, but again in the finals, and it, it felt like the easy decision would be to get him back out there. They brought him in nine thirty five, but I think it was a twelve point lead going in the fourth. At the time they brought him back in, it was already down to five, um, which is a lot that number five feels a lot closer even than it sounds, you know, it, it felt That's like it, the tides the were. Yeah. 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 The tides were turning. Um, I think right after he pulled up though, he launched a three, like the next possession. So it seemed <laughs> like he was doing all right, but it's just, yeah, it was a, uh, I don't know. It's it, it's an interesting discussion and how Steve Kerr I think uses him is going to be under a magnifying glass um, in game two specifically. Cause it does feel like, you know, not a win or go home situation, but pretty close. You know, it, it they, a sure. win is it's a must win in every definition.
0: I'd be curious if Peyton Pritchard's uh, extended playing time to open the fourth had anything to do with that. If uh Kerr saw that and thought his guys would be all right, or he wanted to rest Curry and for whatever reason, match with smart. I really don't know, but there was something similar going on with Boston that it worked out in Boston's favor, but could if, if my texts that I got from friends were proof positive, um, people noticed that choice at least in Boston. Mm. Um, I'm gonna say something really stupid. Maybe not. Maybe I'm right about this. Um, I am not an athlete of any description. Clearly, I'm a blog boy and a podcaster, but I was under the impression you're supposed to, to tighten your shoes like pr- pretty good. And I just I can't imagine Steph Curry's shoe just popping off, like not even untied, just like popping off. I, I I'm so it shocked. But I'm so shocked that if you have an ankle injury that you don't, I'm not like, I'm, I might He's be right. The
2: braces on underneath them. So maybe that has something mm. to do with it.
0: Maybe I just, I don't know. I'm playing immensely this summer. I, I don't now I don't know how to lace my, my <laughs> shoes. All
1: right. I heard the Curry brand shoes just won some award for, I don't know, being
0: really good basketball shoes. So. Take like that for what it is. <laughs> I don't want to spill any tea, but I bought those Dunkin' Donuts shoes, and they're kind of crappy. All right. Anyways, <laughs> let's. Uh, we've spent enough time on Game One. Let's talk about Game Two. But first, let's pause the action to talk about our friends at BetOnline.ag. BetOnline continues to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can find the latest odds, news, and sports developments. That includes this year's NBA Finals, the NHL hockey conference finals, major league baseball scores, and all the latest fighting news. Even next season's early NFL futures are on betonline.ag. They are your continued source for all your sports wagering information for live betting, playoffs, esports, and more head to the website or use your mobile device today. And you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to get the bonus and get in on the action bet online where the game starts. So we've kind of teased this, that the, the quite literally the ball is in the warriors court, but, um, it's really their move to make this. This isn't a must-win, but it feels like a pretty big game Sunday night for the Warriors. So, um, Tommy, has anything from Game One changed how you view the series, or was it, I mean, there were a lot of really uh, extenuating circumstances for that game. Are you ready to put that behind you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the the Celtics' defense is as advertised. I think the first quarter, watching that go, like, man, is the is the defense as good as as people have been saying? But how they kind of adapted you know, kudos to them massively. The defense just really showed up. They guarded Steph so well, I think off ball. I think one of the reasons he looked tired and quote out of gas in that fourth quarter is because they just ran him ragged. One of the Steph is so good moving without the ball where he wears people down, like sprinting over multiple screens. We've all seen all the highlights and, you know, the Celtics were just in his grill at every turn. And not only him, it was Clay Thompson it was Jordan Poole. So I think, you know, how, how they break that down is going to be something because the Warriors offense, I thought, was dramatically stagnant. Once Steph scored those 21 points in the first quarter, it was one on five, it felt like sometimes, especially mm-hmm. when the Celtics started getting hot. It was a lot of standing around. That's something Draymond talked about, something all the Warriors players talked about last night, Steve Kerr. So, how they move without the ball, which is something they do is so fantastic, I think is going to play a role. As other, you know, we, I think the highlight, one of the, the big takeaways is, you know, Tatum's poor shooting numbers well jordan Poole, who's been fantastic this entire season i mean just at, one of my favorite players to watch one of the better stories for the warriors i think has been obviously the rise of jordan Poole. he was pretty bad last night um mm-hmm. so how he rises to the 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 occasion in game two i think is going to play a big factor and then you got to also look at a guy like clay thompson too so th- there's multiple things that he can go down a checklist of of leading up to game 2 and it's a lot on the warriors to answer that right i don't think they were close to playing their best game in game 1 and so it's going to be interesting seeing how they respond.
0: Justin what about you did game 1 change how you view game 2 or the rest of the series?
1: Only
2: very slightly in that i predicted the series would go 7 games in boston's favor now i'm pretty sure it's going to go 7 games in boston's favor. I think there's still a very good chance the warriors can win it but you know before it was a little bit more, you know, wearing that green on the sleeve thing than it was def- necessarily feeling confident the Celtics can definitely win it in seven games. So I'm not convinced they can definitely win it, but I'm a lot closer than I was.
0: Yeah, I similarly thought the Celtics had the depth to win a longer series, but I think I've said on our podcast, I told our friends over at 95.7. Um, in the Bay, this, that the Celtics are young and they get the yips and the December, January Celtics, we saw them, these playoffs, the ghosts of the Celtics past shown up. And I thought for sure the Celtics would uh, choke in some form or another in game one, that the the stage would be too bright. And Tatum looked positively nervous. I mean, he looked like he couldn't catch his breath. He was so nervous. Uh, Maybe I'm wrong about this, but he certainly the body language didn't look great. I thought Poole similarly
2: up with him. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah.
0: And and I thought Poole similarly looked as well. He might like the stage was a little too big. And for that reason, I thought the Celtics a would lose game one, but B would always be on the back foot of trying to uh, gain control of the, first of all, their own narrative, but second of all, the series. And the resilience that they showed at the end of quarter three, I mean, I actually, after the Steph uh, outburst, but then the end of quarter three and into quarter four, um, That was something that we've seen from the Celtics, but I still, the scar tissue is real. I I don't trust that they are mature enough for the moment, but I was loud wrong about that in game one. Um, So moving forward, I don't feel as worried about the Celtics. Um, They could go and lay a big egg in game two and look like the 25 and 24 year olds that they are. Um, But I expected them to do that. And I'm I'm pretty happy to have been wrong about that. Tommy, uh, we teased this a little bit, but... We're going to talk about adjustments for the Warriors and adjustments for the Celtics. Um, you can take them in any order, but what adjustments do you expect to see or hope to see, either from the Warriors and/or the Celtics? I mean, I'd, I'd hope
1: to see, I'd hope to see from the Warriors' perspective, of you know, a flowing offense. One of the things you know they move so well. Um, there, there is guys running open, and we talked about that with with what Draymond does to how well Steph moves off the ball that all needs to to you know play a factor i think for them to get back into this series i think one of the big reasons game 1's loss was not only so bad because of the comeback but just because they just didn't necessarily look like themselves in terms of some guys you know maybe being too big for the moment for or just looking bad overall like klay thompson's performance and things like that but i'd hope that that is a big adjustment i hope we see a little bit more involvement from other playmakers specifically Jordan Poole um the warriors um you know flat out would not be in this situation without him and without him in game 1 they lost you know it, it was mm-hmm. not his best game and and he's not a great defender at this stage in his career he's he's still 22 years old but he makes up for that by being so dynamic offensively whether it's getting to the bucket or or shooting um, from way from deep so I would love to see him just be more active maybe get him in I want to see that really small lineup that, that that they've had a lot of success with at times with where it's the three guards Draymond and Wiggins I would like to see that maybe a little bit earlier just to instill some confidence in Jordan Poole he's such a player that when he is on he he has that trigger like like Stephen and Clay it's, it's seconds to get him going so I would love to see Steve Kerr just kind of instill that with him just because he didn't have a bad just because he had a bad game one don't go to Andre earlier or, or Gary Payton the second or something like that to try to switch it up I would like to stick with the same thing that got them there and that is Jordan Poole
0: uh, I'm going to use this moment I think that the new death lineup should be called Pool in the gang um, but it sounds like Pool party is is the one that that's been one of
1: the biggest like storylines questions any interview any Bay Area radio you listen to they lead off with what should the nickname of that lineup be.
0: And it's just well, you should tell them that it should be Pool in the gang. Um Tani, any any changes for the Celtics or I mean the proof is in the pudding. So
1: yeah, I mean obviously I think it's easy to talk about Tatum, but I don't know about you guys. I'm honestly interested in hearing what you say. I thought he was pretty awesome as a playmaker. Like he where the Warriors yep. defense, what the Warriors defense gave him, he took. I mean he was he got that offense fired up. He was a big reason that these guys like Horford and, and Peyton Pritchard were getting such open looks. I thought he was – I don't. I wouldn't consider that a bad game by him. Like, I understand maybe the scoring wasn't there, but I don't think he played bad. I don't think that that needs to be the headline from this. I thought he was pretty awesome specifically as a playmaker, but I would like to see – I'm interested to in see how he approaches that as a scoring. Is, is he going to continue this, and they're going to rely heavily on – Al Horford and these guys drilling three-pointers, uh, that's the thing that's going to be like, when is the Tatum breakout going to happen? Because it's going to happen. He's going to have a big game. Is it game two and they take a 2-0 lead? That's that's what I'm going to be watching for.
0: Justin, do you, uh, well, I have thoughts on Tatum, but um, you can go because it's technically your turn.
2: <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't think we're going to see very big adjustments from Boston. I think we will see no dingo Tice. I think we will see a lot less uh, Grant Williams. I think we will see more Peyton Pritchard. I think they can get away with playing him. I'm pretty happy that I called that um, on prior podcasts. I don't really see any major changes to how they play so much as who they play with. Uh, Mm -hmm. Just downsizing really is the main thing, I think, because that's that's what really got them going in the fourth quarter. playing Al at the five. I do think that we will see uh, some preemptive countering that when Boston does go small, they're going to use Looney to punish him, Kevon Looney to punish yep. them on the boards a lot more as a result and see how that goes. Uh, also, particularly if they do what, what Tommy suggested in terms of playing pool more and it doesn't go well. But either of those things can happen, you know, for, for the same different reasons. Uh I'm a little concerned that when they do start respecting the Celtics auxiliary shooters, that Boston is going to find things very difficult. I don't know if they will have the energy, as I was saying before to go off quite as they did in the first quarter, but I think they're going to find throughout the course of the game, if they pace themselves more uh, and if they focus, you know, not, the same anywhere near the kind of coverage we're seeing for Jalen and Jason, but just a little bit more respect. I think that it's going to be a lot closer of a game in game two. And I don't think, I could be wrong. You know, we did see Udoka uh, adapt very quickly in this game, much faster than he has really until near the end of the Miami series in terms of in-game adjustments. I don't necessarily expect Boston to have an answer to something like that just yet. Maybe they will But like I said, I think that the momentum and uh, shall we say pride of, of losing on their home floor for the first time in that building is going to be something that they answer very strongly with.
0: Yeah, I could go in either direction for the dubs. I think by some measure they should really get out and run. Um, They took 25 field goals in that first quarter. Um, And I think that that's a way to kind of subvert Boston's defense is to get out and run. Now that demands that clay and to a lesser extent, Steph have the legs for four quarters of that, that pool is available. And we haven't, I don't think anyone said the the name Wiggins yet, um, but that Wiggins can figure that out too. Um, Easier said than done. So by some measure, I think that the, the Warriors just get out and run and see what that looks like. Um, But Justin, you alluded to something that I was thinking, which is Kevon Looney is not going to light it up in the box score, but he looked really good out there. And, um, if the Celtics are able to kind of grind the game to a halt, I think the warriors have to go big, um, with respect to pool. Um, and perhaps with respect to Wiggins, I mean, Porter and Looney might just be a little bit older, a little more ready for the moment, but also tougher and more physically able to, to play half court defense. Um, so if Boston wants a rock fight and the warriors can't upend that, I think going, picking up a rock and going to that sooner rather than later might make sense for them for the Celtics. Tommy, you alluded to this. Tatum only had, um, I think seven field free throws for the game. I think three of which were in the first quarter. If, if there is an adjustment to be made, it's really, I think Tatum could get to the straight more um, easier said than done against uh, defense players like Draymond and whatnot, but, and I'm not advocating for more whistles in an NBA finals game, but I do think that if Tatum can't find a shot, getting to the free throw line would be a smarter move that again, he couldn't find a shot. And so he went, went ahead and got 13 assists instead, but um,
2: there's no Giannis waiting for him there. He's really got to try to get to the paint a little bit harder than he had.
0: Right. Um, so go ahead and get 13 assists, but maybe get 13 free throws as well. Tommy, back to you, uh, give us a quick prediction for game two. And while you're on the subject, the next two games after that will be in Boston. Um, how do you see things shaking out when the series switches back to Beantown?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I do think that I, You know, the the side of me always just goes like, I don't know. That was a funky performance. And I, that especially how they ended that fourth quarter, I really don't, I hope it doesn't bleed into game two. Sometimes those things transfer over in these playoff series, how they shot the ball late there and just how they looked overall. But I do think they come out um, with something to prove for the first time, probably in this playoff run. They haven't trailed in a series, they haven't lost a game at home. So all those things are going to be first for them, how they respond with this unit is going to be interesting and I think it's going to probably lead to a victory. Although I think the Celtics have um, a little bit of swagger, you know, that was, a, they, they, they punched the Warriors in the mouth on their home floor. And and I think heading uh, heading into that game and especially how they found their footing defensively late was impressive. And so I do think it's going to be a battle. I don't think that the Warriors in any way are going to cruise to some form of a blowout. Um, but I do think that they end up winning because you're going to have some bounce back performances from, uh, hopefully, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. Um, I'm v- I, I'm very excited to see how the Warriors play um, in Boston. Uh, I've I've actually been looking forward to that for the series because they've played fairly well on the road throughout the playoffs, but they haven't had to go to a place like Boston um, yet. This this uh, you know playoff streak um, they've cruised. I feel like for the most part through the playoffs. So now um, having to win back home. Uh, the home court advantage, like they need to win a game there. And, and throughout their playoffs, throughout the entire time, you know, this Steph, Draymond, Clay run, they've always played really well on the road, especially in the finals in Cleveland, things like that. They've kind of shown out Toronto, a little bit of a different story, but they've gone and shown that they can win specifically in the finals on the road. So it's that now they have to, now the situation's fully on them, but how that defense looks in Boston on their home floor is just a different beast.
0: All right, Justin, same question.
2: So I want to say that the Celtics are going to win both games on their own home floor. I've already said what I think is going to happen in game two, but if I'm being realistic, at least one of those two, well, three games, the the Achilles heel of this team, it's youth and inexperience and tendency to take a foot off the gas just a little bit when they're up. Is something I'm concerned about. I think that's going to happen in game two. It might happen in another one of those games. Uh, In Boston, it's probably more likely than not that we go back to the Bay uh, with the series tied. So I'm predicting, you know, a seven-game series. I think we're going to end up getting there, you know, three games, three games. Uh, it's, It's not going to be it's not going to be a blowout for those those of our, our fan base who are very excited and saying, you know, Celtics in five, or, you know, I'm even like, I could see a six game series if if they do win both of their games at home. Uh, but for now I'm still sticking to the seven game series. So.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you watch just the first and the third quarter, you would think that it's Warriors in five. And if you watch just the second and fourth quarter, you think it's Celtics in five. So the law of averages, it's probably going to be a longer series. Um, I do think I would have talked a big game that the Celtics were going to lose game one and it wasn't going to be close. And I was happy to be wrong about that. So uh, I don't know what's going to happen in game two, quite frankly. Um, Let's do this. I got one more question about the series and then we just have some NBA news and whatnot. Um, Tommy, I'll go to you first. Did game one change who you would – Uh, who you think might win finals MVP. So I don't know who you had going into the series, but has that changed at all? And do you think anyone, by the way, took themselves out of the running?
1: Not exactly because I would probably think the two front runners would get it, whether that's Tatum or Steph, however, the series went Steph looked like he was gunning for the MVP finals. That's been such a big discussion around his legacy at this point. And so it looked like he was going for it with how he was shooting the ball early. Um, However, uh, you know, again, I I don't chalk that up as a bad game for Tatum. I thought he was, he was pretty good just in a different way. Um, And yeah. And I thought, uh, no, cause I, cause again, I thought just what made the Celtics so good in game one was the, those trio of guy, the trio of role players, whatever you want to call them that were hitting the long ball. And, you know, I, I don't, put al horford as the uh as the mvp finals favorite at this point so i still stick with probably the two main guys and probably Steph's knocking on the door if they if they get a win here in game two justin i actually
2: like most of us thought it would more than likely be curry or Tatum as well. And the only thing that this has really changed for me is, you know, Horford always seemed like kind of like a dark horse, particularly if kind of the judgment of his play in this series bleeds into past series and what he has done to keep the Celtics afloat through them. But now I think there's actually a reasonable chance that Jalen Brown could end up winning, particularly if he keeps playing the way he has.
0: I was going to say, Jason and Steph, you could call it a wash that had good game ones but not not mvp level game ones um but jalen brown is he was not an all-star this year but he is an all-star it's worth pointing out that al horford had more points than jalen brown but jalen brown obviously came up huge um he had 10 points in the fourth quarter al horford had 11 um so either one feels like a fun pick but it's a star driven league so um with respect to ruffles and cars.com and all of those people, I bet it's going to be one of the biggest stars, but I feel pretty good about the possibility of Al Horford sneaking in there. But it would probably, I think the Celtics would have to win the series for Al Horford to be MVP. I think there's a world where the other way around, uh, if, if the Warriors win, Tatum could win it if he gets big or vice versa. Um, okay. Let's do a little bit of news. And then You're
2: talking about the Jerry West, my goodness.
0: Yeah. Uh, the, I mean, I mean, he might sue the league. If not, uh, Tommy call, we'll get you out of here after a little bit of news first, um, Van Gundy, Breen, Cameron all out with COVID. Um, so first of all, if I am an NBA player playing in the NBA finals, I am not leaving my hotel room because there's a lot of COVID in the Bay. There's a lot of COVID in Boston and that would be very disruptive. Um, but also listeners make good choices, be safe. Good luck. Um, And if you're watching on YouTube, that's why I've been coughing every 30 seconds. Uh, Let's do some injury updates, and I'm going to lean on you two as the beat work reporters. uh, Justin Cuckoo, an update on on Rob, if there is one, and Tommy, vice versa, for Peyton or anyone else.
2: Just the same thing with Rob. He's going to experience swelling with the kind of exertion that he's dealing with in these games, and it's not gonna go away uh for the rest of the series at least. I think he needs an extended period of rest for the swelling and the pain to go away completely from the operation. But we we have seen he can be fairly bouncy and vaguely functional, uh even on one leg, which is you know kind of important. Um, and you know, Marcus looked great. He was really the only other person besides Sam Houser uh, who had what they were calling a shoulder instability uh, episode, and not like I expect him to see the floor in this series anyway. If he is, there's a big problem. Uh, so in terms of health, uh, I think things are going really, really well. Uh, the additional days between games, I think, going to be really, really important to the Celtics. Uh, possibly also. Uh, you guys, cause we have not been talking about a particular, I mean, we saw all the injured players return in game one, to save one. I suppose you should see the sort to of Tommy
1: for that. Yeah. Um, I thought, you know, how quick of a trigger Steve Kerr had to throw Andre Iguodala right back out there, um, after not playing since round one and not playing a ton during the regular season was a pretty big, like, um, stamp that he's feeling healthy he they played 12 minutes so nothing crazy um Steve Kerr and the rest of the Warriors players love Andre Goodall I think he's going to make his mark on the series at some point uh seeing him 12 minutes right away early in the rotation early minutes I think he made an appearance in the first quarter and then like we kind of uh sprinkled in here Otto Porter obviously played a little bit of a factor who's been banged up but then the guy on like the tip of everybody's tongue is Gary Payton the second um I don't know if it was a rotational thing to an extent of white or the injury. I think it's a mixture of both because those three guys are the warriors, you know, seven, eight, nine off the bench, whatever you want to call them. They've all been hurt at a different point during the postseason. So this was the first game. They have really had all of those guys available. And then, so is Steve Kerr, one of the big questions to me. And I think I talked about this with Justin is how quick was he going to, how short was that rotation going to be, you know, in the, in the finals we know specifically. So I, I, it's still going to be interesting to see how G, if GP two can make his say in this um, in this series, but we haven't seen it yet. And game two, it's gonna I don't know. I, it's it's kind of a mystery at this point, specifically. But it looked like the other two vets are on track to be a, a big part of this series. I
2: think there's a so- chance. I'm sorry. I just want I just want to ask this question. Uh, do you think there's any chance that they bring him back in place of one of the other low shooting or no shooting uh, players in the rotation, just to try to give a different look at things? Because I don't, I don't think they're going to throw him right into the teeth of the of the Celtics in this series. I think he, he's going to get eased back in pretty slowly. But I mean, like, how do you think they're going to use him if they do bring him back?
1: I think I, you know, I think they're going to use him similarly to how they've how they've worked him in, specifically during the playoffs. But as kind of the primary you know, wing defender. Um, Andrew Wiggins has had a big say with how he guarded Luca GP two wasn't available, but he was the guy they put on Morant early against Memphis. And he was kind of has been known as like the stopper in a way to certain guards. Well, we didn't really get to see um, the Celtics wings get fiery until it was Derek White, Jalen Brown late in the game. And I don't think they were going to just throw Gary Payton on him early. I think Steve Kerr was seeing how far he could get away without using him. And then, Gary Payton is fantastic defensively, but throughout the season, and you guys have probably seen it on the highlights. This guy is just such a spark offensively with just a Mm -hmm. big dunk or a timely three-pointer. And yeah, he's probably not providing a ton of value offensively, but how he, they could have used him in that game, whether it's just providing some form of a spark. And I thought it would be. So I think the minute that Steve Kerr feels comfortable putting him in kind of in the teeth, like you said, they're going to see him just because he's just, and on, you know, the fan of basketball and me, he's just been such a fantastic story for where he started and where he is now with the Warriors specifically. So I want to see him out there. And I, I think Steve Kerr will go to him, especially if the defense, the defense for the Warriors waivers like it did in the second half there.
0: So it's Friday evening. We'll leave it there in terms of injury updates because by the time you listen to this listener, things might have changed. But Tommy, I, I'm inclined to agree. I mean, Gary Payton, at least his dunk package was one of the highlights of the season. No pun intended. Um, <clears throat> Tommy Collie, you were the managing editor of Warriors Wire. And I have one last question for you. So before him, as he often does or always does, I suppose, the commissioner, Adam Silver, spoke to the media. And I'm going to give you a couple of the hits. And then I want to ask you what you would do as commissioner. So he oh, hinted that the midseason tournament might be a little further out, might need a little more time to organize this idea that halfway through there would be like a million dollars and a trophy on the line to do a little tournament. Um, he also said that expansion uh, is not imminent, um, citing a talent depth, which I actually agree with, which we could talk about in the off season. Um, and then he also tinted at, which has been talked about a lot that the season could get shortened. So um, assuming that they're, all wonderful equally good ideas tommy if you were a commissioner and you could pick one of these things to implement let's say in two seasons so logistically it's not a, a problem what would you pick the mid-season tournament an expansion or shortening the season
1: i think the clear winners is shortening the season and and just because one thing we've seen impact the game we love the nba overall is injuries unfortunately and i just I don't think with all the money on the line and just the advertising, there should be back-to-backs. I mean, these guys play at such a high level with what they do to their bodies and us as fans or media or whatever you want to call it, sit there and just be like, these guys should be out there every single night It's like That's just not as realistic to say as it once was. And, and it's the product is suffering because of it, because we want to see our stars out there. And it just, is such a better, it's, it's fun to watch. Right. And so if there was a, Outlet where you could give these guys a little bit more rest and make the games, you know, so you can't punt on a game and, and set everybody and send them back home if it's the final game of road trip type of thing and where every games matter a little bit more during the regular season. I just think it would be, you know, such a better product, and hopefully, more importantly than all that, it just cut down on injuries.
0: Well said, Justin. Quickly, you're not the star of the show here, but I'm curious your thoughts.
2: Well, if it involved. Getting a franchise in Mexico City, I think we know what my answer to that would be. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't seem to be in the cards at all anytime soon. So I have to agree wholeheartedly with Tommy. In fact, I also think that by shortening the regular season, you can make for a select number of teams, particularly if it's voluntary if uh there is some kind of incentive i am still not convinced that money alone is going to be enough to, to make this tournament work i think maybe a draft pick or something that can both benefit the players and the team to have everybody on, in the organization on board i don't think it's enough to just have the players or just to have the front office on board um so long story short i think that everything that tommy said is exactly right there are too too many games the event of games themselves with sometimes as many as five in a week, which is absurd. And even four is too many, like three should be the maximum number of games in a week. I think like something like a 62 to 72 game season, depending on how they did a tournament would be the way to go. And if we're being completely honest of all the things that he talked about in his pre-final speech, um, I think that is by far the most likely to happen.
0: I sort of agree, but then also the NFL spent a decade defending itself against concussions and then they were like, but also here's a 17th week that no one wants. Um, So I can't that's just lighting money on fire. If anything, they're going to go 100 games. Um, So on that happy note, uh, Tommy, Tommy Call, you write for, you manage Warriors Wire. You can find Tommy at Tommy underscore uh, triple I, Tommy the third on Twitter. Tommy, thanks for stopping by. And um, oh, thank you. Hopefully, it's a long series and may the best team win. Yeah, it was a blast. Thank you guys. I appreciate you having me on. Sure. Yeah, okay, man. Likewise. Thanks, everyone. We will catch you soon.